Hello, everyone. Oh my gosh. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> you know what that reminds me of? Do you remember like the old show? Uh, was it called Fat Albert or was that just Fat Albert that said it? <laughs> I don't remember. Probably not even a proper uh, show anymore. I don't know. Has it been nixed? A lot of things have been, a lot of things from my childhood, books, shows, those kinds of things. They've been cut. Anyway, happy Friday, friends. Here we are again. It's cold here. Do you want to know that? It's cold. It's cold in Kansas. Cold in Kansas. And we have snow in the forecast for this weekend. This is ridiculous. I feel like it was summer a week ago or maybe yesterday. <laughs> you knock it off. Get off of here. <laughs> I do not love the cold. I like I like to be warm. But what I will say is I like cold weather wear. You know, sweaters, that sort of thing. So anyway, go figure. Okay, we should probably jump in. Hey, if you're on here with us, just can you can you give me a princess wave? This is how I started this morning by princess waving. Um, just you know, say hi. Oh, Anne Marie, yes, hello, babes, classic. And and John is is greeting us as friends this morning, so whatever. I'll just pretend like it says hello, loves. Hello, babes. Who else is on here? Say hello, friends. I, I like to know who I'm talking to. Anyway, I want to start with one of um, Jesus's parables and and then talk about the value of of man. Like what? Who are we in God's eyes? And, you know, probably. Yes. Thank you. I feel complete. Friday is now complete. Hi, Lisa from Westbrook, Connecticut. Wish that said from Kansas, but whatever. I'm just going to continue to speak it into existence <clears throat> until it happens. I was late because I was writing. Come on, everybody. You don't know why, but, you know, go ahead and give Lisa a hand clap. Good job, Lisa. We have a project in our organization that our leadership team is doing, and, and we're down to the wire. For those of you that have not begun yet, get on it. Somebody pray for these people. Some of them haven't started. I can feel it. Anyway, well done, Lisa. Yes. Okay, let's jump in. We are going to be in Matthew chapter 13, and I want to start at verse 36. And, and then get to the parable that I want to get to. Yes, celebrate, celebrate each other. That's so important. Um, okay, so we're 13, Matthew 13, starting in verse 36. Then leaving the crowds, he went into the house and his disciples came to him saying, make the parable of the tares of the field clear to us. How many of you have been there when you're reading at some point in your life and you're reading the parables that, that Jesus told, how many of you are like, I'd like a sidebar with Jesus. Oh, mom and Robin say hi. Hello. Um, so th that's how the disciples were feeling is they're, they're like, 
um, explain. Help me understand what it is that you're getting at Jesus. And and I, I wanted to start there because I think sometimes that we we read things in, in our Bibles and and we know we know the end from the beginning, and so we we pretend like or we curate this picture in our minds of what the disciples were like because we see them in their height, right at their at their the climax of of their ministry of what they do, and and we forget that that they they were once just as lost as you and I have felt a time or two. And, and so we're both right. We're both like ignorant in the things of God. And we have these heightened moments because God is good. Can I get an amen? Come on. I just want us, I want us to be comfortable in our humanity and also in the power of God, in the flow of God. We have to be both. We have to be both. When we when we pretend like we're this superhuman person who has like all of these supernatural encounters and we live in these spirit realms and we meet up with spiritual people and, and we have all of these things to talk about and we never actually display our fumbles before one another. It's just, it's, it's a ridiculous mess and it's created a ridiculous mess. So that's why I love starting with 36 because the disciples are in this moment of humanity where they're like, Jesus, I don't get it. Right. Have you ever been like that with Jesus? Can we be honest before the Lord? Jesus, I don't get it. 37. And he answered and said, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. And the field is the world and the good seed. These are the sons of the kingdom and the tares are the sons of the evil ones. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil and the harvest is the consumption of the age and the reapers are angels. The son of man will send his angels and they will collect out of his kingdom all the stumbling blocks and those who practice lawlessness. That's curious, isn't it? They will collect out of his kingdom all the stumbling blocks and those who practice lawlessness. Listen, everywhere you look right now, you can find someone set up as a stumbling block. I, I just received a message this morning about a a collection of books that, that are out there, and I cannot remember the title of them. It doesn't matter. Um, but it was all about communicating with God. And, and the author of these books is, is communicating on behalf of God and answering a series of questions throughout these books and is, is offering responses in the name of God as God, as the voice of God, which is the epitome of prophecy. We understand that. We're a prophetic people. But the responses that are labeled God in this collection of books are errant. They're stumbling block. They are giving people permission to remain in lawlessness. It's like God is just, uh, I don't care. No. Oh, well, who told you? Who told you? Who told you that 
that I would judge you for living in sin. The Bible, the Bible told you that. So God is going to send the angels to come in and gather up the, the stumbling blocks and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. In that place, there will be the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay, so this is this is Jesus's explanation to the disciples of the parables that he just told. Go back and read them if you want to go there. But I just wanted to read that so we could really like get back into like our, our natural self in our bodies and, and understand that it's okay to not know everything. Yes, that offer you some freedom. I hope so. Verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid, and in his joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. God has been talking to me about this one verse for quite some time now. I've been sitting in it. I've been considering it. I've been thinking about it, mulling it over like, God, what's the full meaning of this? And, and I've come to the conclusion at this point, at this point, right? Like it's a journey. And sometimes we go back and we learn new things from scripture. But at this point, I, I, I understand that this is a layered scripture. It can mean multiple things. And depending on what it is that God is talking to me about, it can take on something different. So when I first started to really consider this, I saw this as the great cost of following Jesus, that we find the treasure of the gospel in the field and we're so overcome with it that we're going to give everything into this thing, right? And if you're anything like me, it may have taken you a lot of years to get to this point. I, I um, spent a lot of years like walking around in, in half of, of the couple, really not understanding the fullness of it or, or even understanding what God is, is requiring of me, that it's going to cost me everything that I need to lay down my life in order to follow Jesus. And, and so this parable 10 years ago didn't really mean much to me. But today, it means a whole lot to me because I understand that to follow Jesus, it's going to cost us everything. And we need to see, we need to see the kingdom as the great treasure, right? That we will go and give up everything just to pursue the treasure buried in this field. Okay. So earlier this week, God drew my attention to this again. And this time, he was revealing to me that, that we are his land, right? We are his field. And he has buried great treasure inside of us, right? We, You guys, we are made by his voice. Just can you take a deep breath? And I want you to understand that that the even the breath in your lungs 
comes from the word of the Lord, right? Like we are, we are made up of the very word of the Lord. Jeez, we could stop here. We could all just lay on the floor and revel in that knowledge alone. That the material of my being is the spoken word of God. We could, we could go out to the local grocery store and just look around. We could go out and just gawk and be like, oh my gosh, that person, they're made up of the very word of the Lord, right? Can we start seeing each other in this light? You guys, we will do so much more for the expansion of the kingdom if we will rightly see one another. That we are the spoken word of the Lord. And not just those of us who know. Those of us who know need to go low in order to pull the treasure out of those who don't and display it before their eyes. Too many of us have gotten into a habit of judging first. If you're going to make judgments, judge one another worthy of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Judge one another worthy of hearing the gospel. Yes. Judge one another worthy of reaching in and pulling out the treasure that's in one another and putting it on display before each other. Not suggesting that we do not require every single person to understand the cost of following Jesus. But it has to start with the treasure that's been deposited inside of each of us. So I challenge you, get out into the public today and practice seeing the people all around you as the the very spoken word of the Lord. Come on. You are the field. You are the land that the treasure is buried in. And God gave up everything to purchase you. See, there's multiple ways of looking at these parables. Um, Jonathan Helser has a song called Father, Father of Jesus. And in there, there's a line that says, and he's talking about the Father, that you bankrupted heaven to save us. You, Father, you bankrupted heaven to save us. He gave it all. He didn't hold back. He did not withhold from us. He bankrupted heaven to gain us. Now I was thinking about just different eras and, and different times of, of history. Uh, me too, Jane. It's a beautiful song. I've listened to it like three or four times this morning because it's just, it's so powerful to consider what he was willing to do. Ugh. You guys, he went the distance. He went the distance. Buried his treasure within us as his land. And he gave it all. Gave it all away. Um, totally lost my train of thought. Now I got, now I got lost in this ooey gooey place with the father. 
what was I saying? Um, actually, let's go on. Let's read verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls and finding one pearl of great value. He went and sold all that he had and he bought it. Do you know how pearls are formed? Yes, pearls are formed through the hardship, right? The 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 sand getting in and and really just grinding against and and creating something of of great price and and that's you and I that allows hard things to come in to form us. And so if you're in if you feel like you're in a stuck spot, What's God forming in you? Listen, I am in a place right now where I have been through 10 years worth of really hard things. And it's like we're talking hard thing upon hard thing upon hard thing upon hard thing. I mean, it's just like compacted hard things. And in the midst of those hard things, all I want is an escape route. Anybody? When you're in the middle of a hard thing, you just want the escape route. But God knows, like, listen, this is his kindness to keep you there, to hold you there in the hard thing, because he knows that it is forming something of worth in you. He's so diligent concerning us. Because he knows what he's deposited and he knows what we're capable of. I know what I was saying earlier when I lost train of thought and got lost. Um, that I was thinking about like through history and different different things that have manifested on the earth, different kingdom um, events that have gone on in the earth. And, and I don't really the word revival is so thrown around and it's muddled and we don't completely understand it. And, and, and we want to like point to everything and be like, Oh, revival, revival. And, and so I just, God moments, there, there were God moments that hit the earth. And, and it always seems like it's on the back end of something very difficult. And, and you don't have to be real tuned in right now to understand that we're in the midst of darkness, great darkness, great darkness. And, um, and, and yet in spite of the great darkness, in spite of all of the, the hardship that seems like it's swirling everywhere, you can also feel the increase of God moments, right? Can't you? Are you experiencing that the same way that I am? That like it's both? Like you you have this this reality in your humanity of like this kind of sucks, right? And then you have these great, brilliant, big moments with the Lord and and you know that he's doing something with the I mean it's like there's this great collision. He's doing something and we're living in a time like no other. We are, we are the ones who are going to get to experience things that, that people of the history looked forward and saw prophetically and you know they ached for it. 
You know they ached for it. You know they were like, ah, to live in that time. But you and I, we're kind of stuck in this place of looking backwards going, ah, wish I would have experienced that. We look at at the stories in our Bible like, oh, that would have been awesome. I want to be there. And we start pining for things of the past instead of looking forward and asking God to pull us in to the thick of it, into the middle of it. And the reason we don't do it is because the only way in is through the hardship. I want to tell you a little story. Our oldest daughter, when she got out on her own, she got a little wild. (laughs) She she got herself in a little bit of trouble. And um, she, she got caught with alcohol, minor in possession. And which, you know, depending on where you're at in the world may not be a big deal, but here in America, it's a big deal. And, um, and because she was living in a college town, the, the police generally go where the, the college age people are and look for these very moments to, you know, be able to bust someone. And she got in trouble, not once, but twice. And, um, the second time, um, she asked us to, to go to her, her court date with her and, and my husband and I, all three of us, we, we were in separate vehicles to get there. And my daughter and my husband got there before I did. And, and they had already gone in and, um, I don't really know my way around the courtroom. And, um, and so I'm sitting out in the waiting room, waiting for some like magical invitation to, to enter in. And I sat there and I sat there and I sat there. I was content to sit in the waiting room, even if it meant I missed the whole thing. I didn't want to be a part of what was going on. I had, I had an intense fear about what was happening, felt like a failure as a mother. And um, so I was just going to sit there in it, in the waiting room. And as I'm sitting there, it was as if God came and sat right down right next to me. And he came as a judge, like seriously, like here I am in this courtroom waiting room and, and God shows up as the judge. And he's like, you can continue to sit here in the outer courts, but I'm going into the Holy of Holies. Do you want to come? And I was just like, what? To have God in that moment, in this, this hardship, in the center of this great fear of mine, right? Say, I'm going into the Holy of Holies, referring to the inside of the courtroom where all of this stuff was going to take place. I was undone. I was undone because I had set myself up in a higher space. I was, I was so far above what was happening and, and everything beneath me was just not worthy of my attention. There was an, an arrogance and, and it presented as fear. And I really, I mean, it like fear, I was very fearful of what, what the outcome was going to be, but I learned a huge lesson that day that what I regard as the Holy of Holies isn't always what God regards as the Holy of Holies. God's not afraid of the hard things. 
He's not afraid of going into the spaces of darkness like we are. It's just not who he is. And for him to come into something like that and, and reference it in, in biblical terms as, as where I was at was in the, these outer courts and where he wanted me was in the Holy of Holies and it was the place I didn't want to go. You guys, we've got so many things mixed up and twisted. He's not a God that's afraid of the dark things. He's not a God that's afraid of their folly. And at the end of the day, what she had done was really not that big of a deal. Now, I'm not excusing sin. Don't misunderstand me. But I had conjured up in my mind something so monstrous that I couldn't even be her mother in that moment. You know, anybody, anybody understand where I'm coming from on that? What is God calling the Holy of Holies in your life right now that is the space you don't want to go? Where is he wanting to set up that you simply do not want to find yourself in? Where does he want to take you that he's regarding the Holy of Holies and you would prefer to remain in the outer courts? I know, Robin. I actually thought about you when I was considering sharing this. I haven't really shared this. <laughs> you know, in the Psalms, David talks about there not being a place that he can go to escape God. And wherever he is, is the Holy of Holies. And as the great treasure, or as the field that holds the great treasure, he's taken up residence in us. We are his holy place. And we have such a difficult time seeing ourselves rightly. Do you do you realize like God made his home in a box and it became, it became the very like image of holiness. It became the place where you wanted to be, where you wanted to go to be near God. And and this is, this is how the Israelites knew when to move. It was when the, the tabernacle moved, when his presence moved, they were to move with him. How is God wanting to move you and you're refusing to budge? How is God wanting to move you and you'd prefer to stay in the outer courts. How is God wanting to move you, but you're too fearful to take a first step? And honestly, it is about you and it's not about you. It's beyond you. You're, you're a vessel 
of the Lord Most High. And he's set to accomplish things on the earth, not just to give you goosebumps. It is about intimacy, but it's about intimacy for the sake of the kingdom being stretched far and wide, overlaid on the earth. And if we're going to continue to be fearful to move our feet from the outer courts into the Holy of Holies by his declaration, we're not going to get a whole lot accomplished. And it's these things that need to be severed. It's these things that that are holding us right now. It's these things that bind us to the outer courts when he really wants us in, all the way in to his chambers where he dwells. Where are you stuck? Are you even brave enough to ask him to search you? I found out yesterday that I'm not as brave as I thought. Anybody ever been there? Sometimes it feels like shoots and ladders. Is anybody familiar with that game? <laughs> it's a kid's game. And, and you can climb up these different ladders, but then if you land on specific spots, it's it slides all the way down and you end up you end up losing the game because you landed on the wrong spot. Sometimes it feels like shoots and ladders when, when we when we depend on our own ability to get ourselves somewhere, to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and and content to, oh, snakes and ladders. Yeah, I've heard that, Anne-Marie. Snakes and ladders, shoots and ladders, whatever. Um, that that we we attempt to to convince ourselves that that we are we're exactly where we want to be and and like sitting in that waiting room that day at the courthouse i was content i would have walked away from that day excusing myself from a duty inside the holy of holies if god had not come near if God had not shown up the way that he did, I would have stayed and I would have walked away feeling really good about myself. I'm too holy to enter into that place. Oof. We're not capable of carrying ourselves. We need the Lord to carry us. What we're capable of doing is laying ourselves down and saying, not my will, but yours be done. No longer I who live, but Christ Jesus who lives within me. My job is to be a living sacrifice. My job is to lay myself down on the altar. He provides the fire. I provide the sacrifice. Because I'm not capable on my own of identifying where the Holy of Holies is in a given moment. And we have bought into the idea of the Holy of Holies being within our secure little churches on any given block. But God, he moved into the neighborhood to be a part of what's going on within the city, not within your church alone. 
How do we get ourselves into the Holy of Holies? How do we put Christ on display everywhere we go? There's only one way that this is done. By entering in to his presence on a regular basis, acknowledging his holiness above all else. Giving him preeminence over our lives, nothing else usurping his position. Pursuing holiness so that when we enter in to the spaces that he is calling the Holy of Holies, the spaces you and I don't really want to go, the spaces that you and I think that we're too good for because we're Christians, we enter into those spaces and we put the righteousness of Jesus Christ on display because we have deposits of holiness within us. Got a big job to do. Are you ready? It's a big job. And if I consume myself with me, then I'm going to build me. And I'm going to ask you to enter into me. Uh-oh, we've done this. We've done this. We've secured me. We've built me. We gathered together on Wednesday night and we had grilled cheese sandwiches and tomato soup and it was, it was delicious. And we were processing some prophetic words that were spoken over us the Sunday prior. And these words came out of my mouth and I really hadn't planned to say it, but God was, you know, in the room and he has things to say and not willing. He said, there's no such thing as personal prophecy. And And I knew exactly what he meant in the moment, you know, like there's no such thing as personal prophecy. Where did we get this idea that there is personal prophecy? Like somehow God is depositing his word in us to build me. And yet this is what we've done. We've taken these intimate moments where God is releasing his word over us. To build us, to equip us, to get us moving. And we've taken it. We've usurped the word of the Lord to build me. There's no such thing as personal prophecy. He may deposit his word in individuals, but it is for the whole. And if we do not start thinking like this, we are going to miss it completely. We have got to be about the oneness. We've got to be about the bride. We've got to be about the church and not churches. We've known it. Oneness demands that what God is releasing in an individual somehow affects my life and it's my job to get to the bottom of it. So can we please regard prophecy in a little loftier position because it is a gift of the Holy Spirit who is God. He's not releasing his word to build you. He's releasing his word to build the bride. 
You have a job to do. If you're going to be a prophetic people in any way, you have a job to do. When a word is released in the room, you need to lay hold of that, not to build you. Listen, I've heard that too. Like, oh, well, just by faith, reach out and grab that word for yourself if you like it. Stop. You need to reach out. You need to understand what's in the mix of the person that he's releasing the word over. Come on. This is important. We need to grab hold of this. What is in the mix? What is the God mix? What is the treasure inside this land that God has purchased? What is in there? What happens when he takes his word and releases it and you have this collision of what the treasure that's already in there and the word that's now hitting, what is that all about? That's what you and I need to know. If God releases a word over Jane, I need to know Jane. I need to know what is the calling on her life? What is the God expectation on Jane's life? So that when a word is released, deposited into her, I have a better understanding of what God is releasing for us. What is the knowledge? What is the revelation that just hit the earth because because Jane exists? We're lazy. We have been so lazy with the word of the Lord because we've been content to have our ego stroked rather than to have the kingdom built. about his kingdom. It's about the glory of the Lord covering the whole earth like the waters cover the sea. He is doing that through you and I, but we have to learn how to work with the glory that he is depositing inside of us, or it's not going to go further than our feet. For the glory of the Lord to cover the whole earth like the water covers the sea, this glory deposit has to go beyond me. It has to go beyond me. If God is going to deposit his word in somebody in the room, we all best get up and go start splashing in that puddle. Come on, let's learn to be the people of God beyond what we have known. There is an obligation, there is a responsibility that is greater than the individual concerning prophecy. We need a better understanding and we need a greater regard. We need the fear of the Lord. We do. We need to sit in his counsel. Can you imagine... I've been thinking a lot about um, Isaiah 11 and and the the sevenfold spirit of God and and how like you guys like we we've dipped our toes in those waters right like we've been so content with uh, dabbling in speaking in tongues and prophesying over one another but what happens when you you apply the sevenfold spirit of God to the gifts? What happens then? I don't have the answers. I'm just posing questions. What happens then? What what if what if there is what if we have access to might to accompany 
our gift of prophecy. Samson, Samson was a judge, so you know he had prophetic abilities. And he had the power of might on his life. Look what he did. What, what, if, what if you're gifting? What if the treasure already deposited in you, right? You're the land that he bought. And he already deposited the treasure. He buried the treasure inside you and I. What if we learn to lay hold of, to work within the sevenfold spirit of God? We love the revelation, but where's the, the counsel, the might? And my gosh, you know, do you know the body of Christ right now is arguing over whether or not the fear of the Lord is real? Like whether, whether it's been canceled out by the love of God. Like Sarah, Vince and I were actually having this conversation the other day. There just, you know, two states down, there's this whole thing going on right now surrounding Halloween. Why they're qualifying Halloween. Don't care. Um, but what I do care about is 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 talking about the fear, coupling the fear of the Lord with fear and saying that perfect love can't cast out all fear. I'm sorry, but the fear of the Lord is in the complex of the love of God. It can't cast itself out. We need the fear of the Lord. We need the fear. How audacious. How audacious do we think we are? I mean, like, huh? that frustrates me. It frustrates me. We need the fear of the Lord and we desperately need the fear of the Lord now. We need a better understanding of the sevenfold spirit. And the only way we're going to learn anything about that is by, by beholding the Lamb of God. It's the only way. I have to behold the Lamb of God. Seven eyes. What do you think those seven eyes are about? Listen. This lamb, even in my mind, is creepy. But then you go looking up art for the, the Revelation lamb. Listen, Halloween has nothing on the throne room. That is a creepy sight. That is a sight that is going to invoke the right kind of fear in us. Seven eyes, seven horns, and it pierced. And more to look upon him. Just feel it's necessary to continue to warn you to not get lost in other realms. Everything you need is by beholding the Lamb of God. Look into his eyes. Look into his eyes. Get lost in, in the realms that are available in his eyes. 
Don't get caught up in the other things. It is distraction right now. I'm not saying that there's not going to be a time where he's going to like take you into all of these other realms. Do so through his eyes by beholding him. It all has to be about Jesus Christ right now. It all has to be about the lamb of God. We have to behold him. We have to make much of Jesus Christ right now. Behold the lamb. Fix your eyes on him. Lock eyes with him. Okay. I had another set of scripture, but I'm going to leave it. Because I think we have. I just want to pray for you, for me, for us. Huh. Jesus. You have, you have empowered us greatly and we have barely laid hold of an ounce of it. Right now, I just feel to strike down the me. That, to ask that, that you remove every, every reaction to, to want to grab hold of me rather than us. To build me rather than us. God, would you tear out the leaven of me? Take my eyes off of me and fix our eyes on you. Oh, right now, we just long for you. We long for you. Jesus, we long for you to behold you to admire you, admonish you, to make much of who you are and what you've done. And Father, thank you. Thank you. Right, we acknowledge the high price, the high price that was paid You ransomed us. You took us back. Let us not take that for granted. Holy Spirit, right now we just ask for the power of go. To do the things that you've called us to do. To see beyond our small little world. And trust that you know what you're doing in us, that everything else fall, that we are moved by you and you alone. Thank you. Just wanna say thank you over and over a hundred million times, thank you. Thank you. You've held us. You've loved us well. Amen. Okay. I'll let you go. But maybe fall on the floor and just sit in it. Just sit in it. Allow yourself 
to go before the Lamb of God. Allow yourself to just gaze into his eyes and ask him. Be brave enough to ask him, what are you imparting to me right now? And stay long enough. to Allow it to penetrate your heart and become you. Love you guys. We'll talk soon.